0: Well, good morning, church. It's a pleasure to be back again. And today we're going through, uh, as Selina read, uh, verses 5 to 7. So how about we pray for God's guidance with us today. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you together asking for open hearts and clear minds. And we ask right now you remove any doubts or distractions that may hinder us from fully receiving your word. Help us to approach your truth with open hearts, willing to be transformed by your love and grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, last week we saw Pastor Elliot talk about how grace has no limits. We saw that in the life of Paul and how his life was radically changed by Jesus. And so when we get to our passage today, Paul continues on this thought of grace this idea of being changed. And he says, being changed is done by obeying Jesus. It's done by obeying Jesus. And is obeying Jesus is being on track with God. And so we're going to get straight into the text. There's three points in your outlines. The call of Paul, the Gentiles are called, and answering the call. Let's have a look at point one. And so if you remember last week, Paul has just made a case to every single Christian in Rome that he has been called to be an apostle of Christ. He, he has been called, he's been called to belong to Christ and he's been set apart. That's the language that's been used last week. He's been set apart and he tells us in verse 4 that he has been set apart to do what? To preach the gospel. To preach that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what we see in verse 4. And so when we get to our passage today, verse 5, what you will see is that in Paul's life, it's actually filled with grace. Paul's life is filled with grace. It's all grace. God's grace knows no limits. And Paul continues today and he reminds the Romans that it is only through Christ where grace is found. Christ is the channel for all the grace in Paul's life. That's what he says in verse 5. Have a look at verse 5, which reads, Through him, through Jesus, and for his name's sake, we receive grace. And here's the thing. One thing about grace you need to know is that it's undeserving. It's undeserving. It's received. And Paul knows this. He literally says that. And so the question you need to be asking is, why is that so significant? Why is that so significant? Let me illustrate, let me me illustrate it. I know there are some generous people in our congregation and it's because every time we go out to lunch, they always shout me. Whenever I eat with them, they shout me and you know who you are, but you always offer to pay for my meal. You see, I don't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. But these people, they always shout me lunch. They always show me grace. They show me grace by generously offering to pay for my food, and it's awesome. And so in the same way, that's what Paul is referring to as well. We didn't do anything to earn God's grace. It's been freely given to us. Through Jesus Christ. We don't deserve it. We receive it. Paul knew this. And so that raises the question, why did Paul need this? Why did Paul need to receive this free gift? Well, if you remember last week, Paul is saying, he, he calls himself the worst of all sinners. That's what he says about himself. He, have a look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, where Paul says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, in which I am the worst. That's what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.15. That's why Paul needs grace. Paul needed grace because he recognized that he was a sinner in need of salvation he needed saving from eternal death he he recognized that he disobeyed the god of this universe he rejected the god of this universe that's why he needed grace acts chapter 9 gives us a bit more information about paul's past life paul was a persecutor of christians and that's why he considered himself the worst of sinners Which is why Paul's life is a testimony of God's grace, of how God can transform even someone who is persecuting Christians into someone who loves and serves Christians. You see, Paul's life is a testimony of God's grace. Transformed persecutor into an apostle. And so here's the thing about grace. You can't earn it. In fact, you just can't, right? Like, if we could earn grace, then it wouldn't be a free gift. It would be some sort of transaction, and Paul understood that. There's nothing he could do, no approval he could seek, no religious group he could belong to that would ever make him right with God. Even his former status as Pharisees of Pharisees wouldn't make him right with God. And so, Grace is something that you don't deserve. It's something you receive. And Paul didn't deserve to be forgiven. But through God's grace, he's able to receive it. God has given grace and it's freely given to us in Christ's work on the cross. It's because God loves us. And it's not because of anything that we could have done or could have ever done, but because it's a free gift for you to receive today. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 9, turn over with me because it says uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 9, for it is grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We cannot earn grace by our own efforts or our good deeds. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ that we can receive the gift of grace and to be reconciled with God. Even Paul himself realized that when he wrote this to all the churches. It is through Christ that grace is found. And this is the truth of the gospel from which he he wants us all to know. He's calling us to trust in Jesus because Jesus is the channel for God's grace. And so you heard the call of Paul, but what you will see is that this call is not just for Paul, but it's also to the Gentiles. Come with me to the next point. The Gentiles are called. And so Paul is writing to the Christians in Rome. And this letter, it, it was written to Christians in Rome who were mainly Gentiles. But what I want to suggest to you is that he's also referring to all of us here today. He's also referring to all of us. He is calling the Gentiles, all of us, to obedience and faith in Jesus. That's what it says there in verse 6, right? Have a look at verse 6. And you also among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Christ. Paul reminds us first the Gentiles, they're called, but it's also to us, we're called to belong to Christ as well. Like Paul, they are personally and individually called by him. And so what I first want you to notice is that being called to belong is actually very purposeful and intentional. Being called to belong is actually very purposeful and intentional. Just to illustrate this, many of you grew up in the age of texting. In today's world, we are also consumed with texting, and and because of that, I feel like we've forgotten the beauty and the importance of receiving a phone call. Admit it, how many of us feel so nervous before picking up a phone call? I know I am, especially when my phone says, Big Boss Elliot. You see, you know when that call is coming from someone significant, like your boss, like your church friend, like your mother, your friend, your pastor, your child. It's an entirely different feeling. You know that call is purposeful. It's intentional. They're not just calling you for no reason. It's a deliberate choice. And that's the same here with God. It's a deliberate choice on God's part to invite you to His family. He's calling you to belong. God, in His love and kindness, calls people to be His own. He calls you to be in relationship with Him. He calls you to belong to Him. But again, notice who is being called. It's the Christians in Rome. It's the Gentiles. But I think the ESV translation puts it more clearly because it says, All the nations all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus. All the nations are called to obey Jesus in faith. That's what it says in verse 5. Paul is calling all the nations to an obedience that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. And so, what does it mean to obey Jesus? right? To belong to Jesus? Well, here it is. To belong to Jesus It's expressed in a life of obedience that comes from faith. It's expressed in a life of faith. Notice that the call to obey Jesus is actually very, very specific. It's very specific. Paul doesn't just say obeying Jesus is coming to church on Sundays. He doesn't say that. He he doesn't say obeying Jesus is being a good person. It's not obeying the law. It's not even something you can earn. Notice that he says obedience is expressed in a life of life that comes from faith in Jesus. But why does Paul say that? Well, it's because your obedience doesn't earn favor with God. It's because your obedience doesn't earn favor with God. It doesn't make you right with God. Your obedience is not an exchange for anything. Your obedience is actually a response. And so the right response to Jesus is always faith and obedience. It's trust and dependence. They're connected and Paul doesn't separate it, which is why he says here, he goes hand in hand. It's two sides of the same coin, faith and obedience. And so listen closely, church. Faith is always the root and obedience is always the fruit. Faith is always the root and obedience is always the fruit. And, and so in other words, if we truly have faith in Jesus, it will naturally lead us to faith and good works. Faith, faith and obedience and good works. Our faith is not just a matter of intellectual belief, but I hope you realize our faith is actually lived out. And so when Paul talks here about faith, when he talks about faith, it's like the classic example, right? You're all sitting on chairs. How did you know that chair would support your weight? Maybe it's from past experience. You sat on this chair before. It looks pretty familiar. Maybe you've seen other people sit in it. But how did you know today that the chair that you're sitting on wouldn't collapse and break? It's happened to me before. You took an act of faith when you sat on that chair. Faith is trusting in something. It's a trusting obedience. It's like saying, I trust you enough to listen to you, and I obey you because I trust you. I I own a Toyota Camry, and I have faith in my mechanic Jason Chang, and I obey anything he says because he used to work for Toyota. Now, here's the thing. Our faith is not groundless. Our faith is not groundless. What you see in our passage is our faith is grounded actually in God's love. Our faith is grounded in God's love for us, in God's love for you. God loves you. God loves you so much, so, so much that he divinely initiated to be in relationship with you. He's calling you to obey him. You know, the the four means that, by default, we reject the call of God, and we obey different voices. We, uh, and what does it mean to obey different things? Well, we obey our desires, we obey our emotions, we obey our culture, our authorities. And why do we obey these things? Well, it's because these voices, they give us a vision of the good life. It's attractive. Which is why to obey God sounds so crazy. Church, the good news of the gospel is that God in His love for us calls us to belong to Him. He calls us to obey. This calling is not based on anything that we've done. It's not based on our merits. It's not based on any of our actions. But it's on the love and on the grace of God. Recently, I became a member of West Side Jiu Jitsu across the road, and I pay a weekly fee for classes. And I actually try to rock up a couple times a week uh, to train, and you know that if I don't rock, but, but you know, you and I know that if s- people don't rock up to class, it will actually show when you verse people, when you spar people. You know, just because I pay for Jiu Jitsu doesn't actually mean I can do jujitsu. Simply claiming to be a Christian doesn't mean you're a true follower of Christ. Claiming to have faith without obedience means nothing. And so it's to trust and to obey. That's what Paul is saying. God is calling you to obey Him today. And so come with me to point three and have a look at the answering of the call. You see, Paul addresses his letter to the Romans. And he's reminding them so much about how God loves them. And he's call, and he's calling them that, look, you guys are God's holy people. And he, he's extending a greeting of grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so answering the call of Jesus, what does that mean? Well, Paul says it means to make a radical shift in your thinking and living. So let's imagine for a bit, let's say you're a Roman citizen. Let's say you're a Roman citizen, put yourself in their shoes, put yourself in first century Rome and consider the context of that time. What do you imagine? Do you you imagine the Roman guards walking around, the Greek being spoken? Who's in charge? Who's the greatest superpower at that time? It's Caesar. And as a Roman citizen, you are familiar with Caesar's power. You know Caesar's demand for allegiance. And if I were a Roman listening to Paul's letter, well, Paul's message is actually so radical. Paul's message is actually so radical. Here's the thing. If you're a Roman civilian in first century Rome, do you think Caesar really loves you? Do you think Caesar really loves you? He calls for your allegiance. He calls for your loyalty. He, calls. he demands that you obey him. But does he really care? He demands that you belong to him by the power of his sword. Do you think he really cares for you? The answer is no, he doesn't. Caesar comes to you from a position of power. He comes to you from a position of power, and power means submission. Power means you submit, and that's not love at all. Caesar caused you to obey by the sword. And so, in radical contrast, Paul's message, notice what Paul says about being called to obey Christ. It's motivated by love. It's motivated by love, and that's what Paul is saying. He knew this, and that's why he says that's his job, his purpose as an apostle of Christ, he's calling Gentiles and all the nations to obey Christ because it's motivated by love. To call, he's, and, and so why does he do this again? Because it's radically different to what the world teaches. Verse 7 tells us that to all, the, all in Rome who are loved by who? By God and you are called to obey Jesus because of his love for you. And so answering the call to obedience is not from power. It's not from approval. It's not from fulfilling, fulfillment from other things. You can belong to Jesus because, his lo- because of his love for you. And that's far greater motivation to obey, isn't it? Church, don't let the things of this world like Caesar's power of wealth and health, of success call for your obedience and submission. The good news is that Jesus calls us to obey him, to belong to him out of love. It's out of grace. It's calling you not based on who you are or your past, but it's based on what he has done for you. It's based on his love and it's based on his grace. And that's far greater motivation to obey and submit to him. And guys, I just want to recognize that when, we, when, we, when the Lord Jesus calls us to obey, it actually sounds too good to be true. Perhaps that's you. It sounds too good to be true. When we compare the gospel of love and the demands of this world, it actually feels too easy to just obey Jesus. Perhaps the reason is grace is such a foreign idea for us. This is exactly why we need to keep coming back again and again and again to grace, grace, grace. And so responding to God's call is actually obedience. Responding to God's call to us is found in obedience. And so when you answer the call, when you respond to God's call, it means to put your faith in Jesus. It means you acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of salvation and what you need to do is, by answering that call, you are given a peace and a hope that surpasses all understanding. You, you, become, the, you become a part of the body of Christ. You being given, you, you're given a new identity. You are given a new purpose in life. And you're no longer slaves to sin and death. Death is no longer the end. You are now a, children, a child of God and you have His Spirit. And that's the remarkable thing of being called to obedience to Jesus. Because the, the remarkable thing about being called to Jesus is, is actually underscored by the word in verse 7, loved by God. It's truly amazing. Called to be saints. Called to be His holy people. And truly, this is prof- it's truly profound to be loved. Paul always starts out on the basis of God's love. For us, Paul understands that this is the fundamental relationship we have with God. God, He loves us. This, and isn't that what we long for? Despite all the, all the things we try to fill in our hearts, in place of God, you know, deep inside each of us, there is a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. And we try to put other things in there, but it won't fit. It will never satisfy. And the fact we ought to remind ourselves every day is that the grace and peace of God gives to us is that he shows us his love. You're accepted by him. He is calling you to belong to him, even if you don't feel it. He loves you. You don't belong to him based on what you've done, but it's all about what has been done. So, God is calling you to obey Him today. How will you answer Him? Some points to ponder for today. It's in your outlines. The first point to ponder is identify an area of your life where you are struggling to obey Jesus and to live out your faith. Identify an area of your life where you're struggling to obey Jesus. It might be your workplace, it might be your friendships, it might even be in your family. It could even be here at church. I don't know what it is for you, but spend some time and reflect. And once you've identified that, the second question is, what beliefs or behaviors in this area of your life hinder your ability to obey? What beliefs or behaviors hinder your ability to obey? This could be an area where you repeatedly give in to temptation to sin, And perhaps you believe that you are too sinful or unworthy. Maybe you're struggling with unforgiveness or bitterness towards others. Maybe you have a deficient view of forgiveness and grace towards others. Maybe you're failing to prioritize with God. Or even maybe you're someone who has been investigating Christianity for a while now. What's stopping you from responding to God today? Take some time today and reflect on this area of struggle. Ask God for strength and wisdom to overcome overcome it. And then the other question is, why is it holding you back from fully embracing the truth of who Jesus is? Is it doubts? Is it questions that you have? Is it uh, a fear of what it means to fully surrender and obey Him? Spend some time and do business with God today. God loves you. He is calling out to you. Will you respond to Him today in faith and obedience? Let me finish with a story. I recently got married and I went to, uh, and for my honeymoon, I went to New Zealand. And one of the activities you do in New Zealand is you go on hikes. And it's awesome, you, because when you go on a hike in New Zealand, it's not, not just some ordinary hike, but you find yourself on paths that are winding through some of the most breathtaking views that you've ever seen. There are mountains, waterfalls, blue lakes, and and just, it's, just, it's a very beautiful time. However... Hiking in New Zealand can also be quite dangerous. And when I went on my honeymoon with Selena, and, with Selena, we went on this long hiking track. It was awesome. There was fresh glaciers, mountains, waterfalls. I even drank from the lake. However, on the way back, I had this bright idea to go off track. I had this bright idea to go off track. And the problem with going off track is actually, it's cu- it's quite dangerous. Some of you know what it's like. It's rocky. There are sticks and more plants. And uh, sometimes it's muddy. And you know what? I just want to take a shortcut. I want to get back quicker. And so I went off track on our hike. But you know what? The more I walked on this shortcut, the more it got bushy the steeper it got, the more I walked, I, the more I realized that maybe this isn't the right way to go. Maybe I've gone off track. And you know what? My good wife, she was telling me this entire time, we should go back. We, we, this, <laughs> this, this isn't the right way. right, honey, we're going, we, we're going off track. And for some reason, she's always right. That's the same with our passage today. Maybe you've gone off track with God. Maybe you've been off track with God for a very long time. Friends, it's my deepest prayer for each of you to know the grace of God, to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus, to know his love for you today. God loves you. He's calling you to obey. How will you answer him? Let's pray. Gracious Father, we come before you today with grateful hearts for the gift of faith that you have given to us. We thank you that you love us enough to send your son to die for us and that this love is real and true. And so, Lord, unblock our ears so we can hear you today. Help us to respond to you and your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.